Chapter 4 The last day of school is always a joke. It's a good thing, too, because I was still buzzing from Principal Fred's office. It took some effort to stay cool when Sheriff Heath walked into the food court at lunchtime and made a line right at our table for a minute before turning away. Adi was sitting with Lex, who was back to sitting with Maddie and Anna at their usual table. I ended up with awkward Rob sitting across from me. It was going about the same as usual. So, I had this idea right before bed last night, and I thought, what the hell, last day of school anyway. I made some coffee and got out the big bag of Skittles, and I went for it while. I went for it. Went for... what? Awkward Rob's eyes were bulging. I fixed the traffic lights. I shook my head. Fix them? What do you mean? Over Rob's shoulder, I could see Adi and Lex sharing one enormous salad and her bottle of water. Well, there are eight traffic lights between my house and school, you know? I, I did not know. I made myself a big green button, Rob said. If I push the button when I get in the car at my house and I stick to the speed limit, it turns every light green at just the right time. I get every light every time. He went to put his hands up over his head like a champion, but he caught the edge of his tray. His drink spilled all over the place. Oh, not again! I was already damming up the soda with stacks of napkins. It helps to have extra napkins when awkward Rob is at the table. But Rob, I said, it's the last day of school. Oh, it'll work again in September, he said. Nobody's gonna catch on. The code is good. It's good code. Invisible, just like you always say. Adi and Lex walked out of the food court together. She was laughing at something he'd said. He never looked over at me. We watched an, off, an, ep, we watched an episode of The Office in math class, and then my last period of the year was a study hall, coasting to the finish line. When I opened my locker to grab the last of my notebooks and stuff, there was an ugly football title ring sitting on top of my calculator, glittering in the fluorescent light of the hallway. You did great, Adi said, walking up to me. Lex wasn't with him. Thanks, I said. Didn't know you had my combination. I didn't, he said, brushing off his shoulder. You know, I practice too. Yeah. I picked up the ring and looked at it, still holding it out of view in the locker. Hey, are you sure you don't want to give this to Lex? Kind of like a varsity letter jacket thing? Adi frowned. You know I wouldn't do that. Receiving stolen property? I'm not going to let Lex get involved in our business without our note. I'm not going to get Lex involved in our business without her knowing. Okay, I said, and set it down, turning away from him. Hey. Adi switched positions, fast on his feet, so he was facing me again. I know we haven't been hanging out very much this last week or two. I'm sorry. It won't be this way forever. I know, I mumbled. You know how I was feeling about Lex. Yeah, I agreed. You're still my best friend. This isn't a competition. Still feels like I'm losing. I stared at the floor. New idea, Adi said. Why don't I come up to Pittsburgh at the end of pre-college? 
We can hang out there for a couple days, and then I can bring you back instead of your parents. I don't know if you can stay in the dorms, I said. Adi stooped down to meet my gaze. Really? You're going to throw a rule book at me? We'll figure it out, I admitted. That does sound fun. Yeah, it does, he said. I hear they put fries on top of everything. Long as I can get some decent hot sauce, I'm good to go. Pre-college started the weekend right after school let out. Mom insisted that the whole family needed to take me there. We're practicing for college, she declared. So we took my minivan to fit everything and everyone. The whole program was six weeks long, so I'm not saying that I needed to bring my whole life with me. But I needed clothes, bathroom stuff, school stuff. I decided to bring my bike so I could ride around town. Dad talked me out of bringing an iron and ironing board, but I did bring my steamer. I was staying in Stoller Hall, an older building that had been turned into suites. I was on the third floor, and the building was a long flight of stairs up from street level. We were all sweating pretty hard from carrying stuff, and the building had no air conditioning. It was going to be a warm six weeks. Welcome, family! You must be... Wiley? A pale-looking kid in a bright blue pre-college shirt stuck his head in the door. He was holding a clipboard. Yeah, that's me. Awesome. I'm Jerome. I'll be your RA for pre-college. He stepped into the room, which already felt pretty crowded with the four of us in there. Dad was trying to put a sheet on the bed, and it wasn't going well. I don't think this sheet is long enough, Dad said. Mom turned around to supervise. It's not long enough, she said. We'll have to go get the right one. There must be a household things and stuff around here. Jerome nodded. Over in Edgewood. It's about a 15-minute drive. I hate that store, Luke said, crossing his arms over his chest. It smells like old ladies. You and I can walk around campus, Dad told Luke. I'll bet we can find some ice cream. Really, George? At 11 o'clock in the morning? Now Mom was crossing her arms and glaring. Jerome stared at his clipboard. What time is curfew? Mom said, turning her attention to Jerome. Uh, it's at midnight. That seems late to me. Well, during the regular year, we don't have any curfew at all. Wiley is just a year away from that, right? Jerome looked over at me. I, I guess, I said. The room was sweltering. There was a huge crash in the hallway behind Jerome. He actually jumped. Then a big oaf of a kid bodied him out of the way and pushed into the room. This room sucks, the kid said. Too many people. His dad piled into the room right behind him, pushing Jerome further out of the way. His mom, meanwhile, whispered, excuse me, to Jerome and practically tiptoed around him. Craig Buck, the dad said, grabbing my dad's hand and shaking it hard. Glad to be in business with you. This here's my boy, Owen. My dad wriggled free of Craig's bear paw. I'm George, this is my wife Emily, and these are our sons, Wiley and Luke. You like to get wasted, Wiley? Owen asked me. There was an awkward silence. Well, Craig said, waving toward Owen, you know how it is with kids. I do, my mom said. A firm hand is important to keep them out of trouble. Oh, I agree, little lady. 
Craig said, and the look of irritation that settled in on Mom's face meant bad news for the Shepherd family. But they also have to sow their wild oats when they're young, you know? Otherwise, they grow up to be selfish jackasses, Mom finished for him. Well, yes, Craig said, but a man has to have some swagger, right, Georgie? And he slapped my dad on the back, slapped him loud enough that it made a terrible wet sound. Right, Mom said. We all have to run to the store, Luke groaned. We'll be back. She pushed past Owen and his family. Jerome leapt out of her way. It was nice to meet all of you, Owen's mom called after us. Pre-college itself was fine. It's just more school. You end up at summer school if you're bad at school, but if you're good at school, you end up at summer school. Either way, the house wins. Owen discovered on our first night after the parents left that some guys from his high school who were a couple years older than us were in town working on summer internships. They were all living in a house just off campus. Dude, we gotta go, he said to me with some urgency. I was still unpacking my suitcases and in no rush about it. Go where? To the party. But we need to pick up something we can bring. Like snacks? Owen laughed. It was a nasty little sound. The laugh of a villain tying a damsel to railroad tracks. Yeah, okay, snacks. Let's go. I didn't know anyone else yet, and the room was stifling hot. I sighed and followed him out of the place. We walked together across campus and into Oakland, the bustling neighborhood right next door. Helicopters came and went overhead, medevacs heading to and from the big hospital on the hill. The air was thick with humidity. Owen didn't speak at all. He took long strides and kind of clenched his fists while he was walking. After about 15 minutes of walking, he announced, This'll do. We were standing in front of Beers of the World. Well, I said, I don't have ID. No problem, Owen said. I do. He stomped inside. I sat down on a big stone planter with a couple of trees in it, sitting on the edge of the sidewalk right next to the street. There's no art in buying alcohol with a fake ID. Either the clerk cares or they don't. Boring. Why are you dressed like an accountant? The girl had short brown hair, freckles across her cheeks, and a small purple gem stud in her nose. She was standing close to the road, glancing out at traffic. Her arms were crossed over her chest. I looked up at her and shrugged. You, office boy, I'm talking to you, she said. This is how I dress. On a Saturday night in the summer? Are you on your way to youth group at church? I'm just waiting for someone. I turned away from her. Three insults and I'm out. She walked over with her hands up in front of her, a peace gesture. Hey, I'm sorry. That was too harsh. She stooped down so we were facing each other eye to eye. What are you doing there with your hands? Without even really thinking about it, I'd been moving a quarter around on myself, drawing it from behind my ear, passing it between my hands, making it appear out of thin air. Oh, this? I said, holding up the quarter. I'm just playing. She sat down on the planter next to me. Are you like a magician? 
No, definitely not. This is just something I do. It's something I do, too. She held out her hand. I'm Mags. I shook her hand. Wily. When I pulled my hand back, I was holding a business card. It had one word on it that I didn't recognize. Audus. And nothing else. Consider it an invitation, Mag said. To what? You'll know soon enough. I shook my head. This conversation doesn't make any sense. Hang on, she said. You're waiting for someone. I nodded. In there? She waved toward the beer store. I nodded again. Is he an idiot? I shrugged. Uh, he's indecisive, too. What does it matter if it's suds dry or suds extra dry? You guys are like 12, and it's the weekend. Sheesh. Before I could defend myself, Mags marched away, taking out her phone, and called someone. This is Mary Charles. I have a Code 5 at Beers of the World, northeast corner of Forbes in Oakland. Yeah. Thanks. I stood up. What was that? You've got other plans tonight, and that guy needs to learn how to be quick. Police sirens erupted in the distance from two different locations. My stomach churned. You called the cops on my roommate? Oh, he's your roommate. Mag stepped back toward the street, looking out at traffic again. That explains so much. This really isn't your scene, Wiley. Let's get out of here. My brain felt like it was melting. The sirens grew closer. Through the windows of the store, I could see Owen lugging two huge cases of beer toward the register. Possession with intent to consume. That's one misdemeanor, and then the second one for the fake ID. He'd just end up with a big fine, but they'd haul him into the station for fun. The real work of a Friday night in the summer hadn't gotten going yet. The cops had some free time on their hands. Just then, a black SUV cut across two lanes of traffic and came to a halt in front of us. It had dark, tinted windows. The back door on our side opened, pushed out by an arm whose owner I couldn't see. I looked back at Owen, reaching for his wallet. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw flashing red and blue lights. Mags grabbed my shoulder and pushed me toward the SUV, hard. Get in the car, Wiley. Don't think, just do. I stepped up on the running board, smashed my head against the top of the doorframe, and fell into the leather seat, howling with pain.